nothing better hey, than a bone. Hello, welcome to Geeks Without God with Tim Wick, Nick Glover, and Molly Glover. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We don't recognize moral authority. We don't accept divine superiority. We're geeks, geeks without God. This week on Geeks Without God, our guest is Ben Sandell. He returns after a five-year absence to talk to us about free will. Does it even exist? We'll find out. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. Welcome to Geeks Without God. I'm your host, Tim Wick. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Molly Glover. That's me, Molly Glover. Hello. And Nick Glover. I knew you were both going to say that, and it was actually predetermined. It was. Or was it? <laughs> or was it? We're here to talk about that with our guest. It's been a while. He's been on the podcast before, but it's been probably like five years. <laughs> you just said his name three times somehow. <laughs> ben Sandell is here right now. As our guest Like today. it's been a while It's been a bit Yeah it, it, it has been It bean. has been a while I should have Used the British pronunciation So as to differentiate From our guest Ben Sandel. Hello Ben <laughs> Hello Thank you for having me Yeah I was uh, On the podcast At Conversions Many years ago Many years yes. ago Yeah, yeah. Many years yeah. ago It had to have been At least five years And I'm sure you're more. just You're thrilled with how professional we've achieved we've become even uh-huh. more professional I mean, since then i can right? just this studio here <laughs> yeah. is amazing it is. what is this like thousand bucks an hour yeah something yeah. like that yeah. something like we that we didn't it's, get uh, less professional because <laughs> you can't certainly not less professional than convergence well <laughs> oh i was i remember being quite uh inebriated yes what at the convergence. Yes. But you remember, so it couldn't have been that inebriated. Oh, that's true. Oh. <laughs> oh. Is it tradition for the uh, Convergence podcast to be quite buzzed? It is. I am pretty much buzzed the whole time of Convergence. I don't really get drunk, but I'm definitely, uh, my blood alcohol is not zero for pretty much the entire time we're at Convergence. And my blood alcohol at Convergence matches my blood alcohol at all other times. Yeah. Of Just my life. A natural. 2.0. 2.0. 2.0. His blood is 200%. I have drank so much in my youth that I'm always drunk now. Yeah, it's actually, uh, yeah, it's just terrible. So uh, so anyway, uh, speaking of, of what, I, what we've done in our youth, uh, this has nothing to do with it. We are talking about free will. Amazing segue as yeah, always. I try. I try. It does have something to do with it though. It do, well, I mean, it, it has something to do with everything. So um, this is, uh, this comes out of actually Ben and I recording uh, the not so silent uh Planet podcast back about four years ago. Hmm. At least because it was before the pandemic. Yeah, it was pre, it was the before times. And uh, Ben uh, was apparently surprised to learn that I believe free will is a thing. And I was surprised to learn that he does not believe free will is a thing. The thing that surprised me was because we were talking, I don't know how we were talking about free will, but I was like, do you believe in free will? And you said, "Uh, yeah, I'm an atheist. And ah. to me, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm the exact, I come in the exact opposite way. Yeah. As an atheist. As I, an atheist. Yeah. As an atheist, yeah. you do not how, believe in free how will. How could I possibly believe in free will when I don't believe there's a, hi- a higher power? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Kind of. Uh, Talk about it more. I need to know. Yes. yes. Okay. Well, yeah. so, I, so yeah, I feel like you need to frame this up there here, Ben. I was just giving the introduction. Now, you know. Yeah. I'm sorry. Did I talk over your? <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet. Go for it. Bring uh, it in. So. So your comment, I'm still interested in your, because we never, because after you said that, I was like, okay, we got to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and then five years later, here we are. Here we are. So it took, it took a little while, um, but we <laughs> had no control over that. That's just how, <laughs> uh, how the universe works. Um, but I was interested to start off with like how that, because it was a very obvious, like a very like, I'm an atheist. So yeah, I believe in free will. Mm-hmm. When you said it that way. Um, I was interested in hearing your argument about how those two things are connected um, in your head. Like well, atheism, wow. free will. Four years ago, I don't even remember. But I, I think, uh, I think for me, believing that there is no higher power means that I don't believe that there's anything controlling what I do or, or what I decide or how I live my life. So I, I believe in in free will is just the way the universe works is 
we get to make our own choices and there's nothing guiding those choices. Um, so the, the, you know, if effectively determinism is what we're talking about. You know, the idea that, you know, atoms got started in their motion at the Big Bang or before the Big Bang or whatever you want and have been moving inexorably to this point and that, that everything we do is predetermined. I don't, I don't accept that hmm. as, and I don't even know how you would prove it, but I suppose that it's really a philosophical argument uh, to me that I, I just think if there is no higher power, if there is no metaphysical existence, then then I think, yeah, free will needs to be one of those things that just happens. Okay, so here's my question. Yeah. Okay. Where does free will come into it? So if you're looking at a deterministic world where physics is the law of the land mm -hmm. and everything, uh, we're all ruled by the laws of physics, where does it, where can you make room to step in to supersede those laws to make a some sort of decision that veers away from the, basically the, the laws of reality. Well, so I think maybe I need a little bit more clarity on how we're defining free will versus, you know, determinism in the sense that, so if you choose to get a latte versus just a drip coffee, does that something that you think was predetermined for you? And it sounds like you think that's from physics? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think I understand yeah. what you're, what you're okay. saying. So, and then I, I, get right. it, I understand it too. If I, that's, right. yeah. So like much in the same way that the expansion of the galaxy is just like the, the, you know, the, everything was set in motion when time began, right? Everything mm -hmm. exploded. Everything's been pushing outward Al as a result of that. And it's basically an incredibly infinitely complex game of billiards where even the decisions we're making are those billiard balls that were struck and set in motion at the big, big bang. Mm. But there's nothing, there's no like, computational strength that could ever figure out that that predetermined path of things right hmm. like like I, I feel like you could argue that you know everything is the way it was going to be but we still have free will but our free will is determined by the things that were set in motion to begin with Right, we're still making a decision, right? Like you're you're looking at two things and evaluating them and choosing between them or or whatever. Um, you're still going through that cognitive process and making a choice. However, all of that was set in motion to to begin with. You know, well, billions and trillions of years ago. Kind of like the idea that everything that's ever happened or ever will happen is almost happening at the same time. In this, in that the sense of quantum physics where it's, there is no really, we, we perceive time as linear, but time is not linear. Time is, you know, in that sense, kind of always happening at once. Then if it, to use your billiards analogy, my life isn't the eight ball. My life is maybe some atoms at the center of one of the billiard balls as in nothing. I mean, not even in, in any kind of direct path to be seen. Hmm. So, the billiard balls in this case are the are particles that make us up. Mm -hmm. um, and those particles are subject to the laws of physics and the laws of quantum physics. Uh, and there is some aspect of randomness in the quantum physics. Uh, so things aren't necessarily predetermined. That doesn't mean free will is part of it because if you're, if random things are happening at the subatomic level, it still doesn't necessarily mean that when you make a choice to have a uh, coffee versus a cupcake, because mm -hmm. that's, that's always the choice. It always can't, is. I just really pulled it's something. Not, it's not a choice. It's the cupcake. <laughs> it's, um. But that, so where the, where I come in as an atheist in this argument is I feel like there's a certain sense of a belief in a soul when you say free will, because when mm. you say I chose, I chose who is the I that is choosing and how does that I step out from the 
being governed from the laws of physics in order to choose. I mean, everything, every choice that we make, every action that we have has uh, a whole bunch of millions of causes that mm-hmm. have led up to it that we have no control over. And most of the functions of our brain and our body are automatic. And so at what point does it go from being automatic or determined to where we step in with almost like this, you know, the ghost in the machine? Mm. You, you, you believe in consciousness, right? Like we're mm-hmm. all conscious. Okay. Um, so I, I, I would think that, you know, it would, it would stem from that. Like, I don't think that free will is necessarily um, some, you know, magical attribute that was, you know, necessarily religious or like, there's a lot of like Christian dogma about, you know, like free will, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, oh, we were given the ability to sin. Wow. Um, Thanks. Yeah, Thanks. Sin's right. awesome. But, but I, I, so I don't, I don't think it's anything as, as, you know, magical or special as that. I think that, that free will is like, you know, being able to, uh, examine your surroundings, compute them in, in, you know, mostly subconsciously, right? Like we're not, uh, if someone throws a ball to you, you're not calculating the trajectory of the ball. You're reacting to it, you know, and, and grabbing it out of the air most of the time. So like, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's, uh, it's some magical thing, but I think it's, it's there. Well, there's a difference between determinism and fatalism. Sure. And mm-hmm. so I guess I'm curious, um, the way I've always understood it is that fatalism lends toward more thinking that there's a supernatural force bending its will to us, to its will versus determinism being, it just is. It's just the, like you're saying, like it is just part of the, we're part of the physical world. The physical world is unfolding as it will. You know, we aren't really changing that with our decisions in the grand scheme of things. Do you think of it as more on a personal level, like a day-to-day thing? And do you, I don't, you don't strike me as a hopeless person. Do you feel that like, are you able to still, a lot of people I know who are fatalists, specifically, not determinists, but fatalists are very Mm -hmm. hopeless about it in the sense of like, why bother? Sure. As opposed to the, the... I, I really like the idea that um, when you think about how insignificant we are, how small we are in comparison to the universe, that gives me comfort because it mm. means that nothing I do matters enough to actually matter Stress. on the grand <laughs> scheme of things, right? And so to me, it seems kind of like that, where it's um, it seems like that your philosophy is almost along those lines of because it's it doesn't not why bother, but freed from it mattering enough that you should be paralyzed about your choices. <laughs> I just asked like seven things Can you in a row, like classic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> classic that? Hello, <laughs> welcome to our half hour yeah. podcast. No, it was just more like I guess more of a. Uh, so, like in your day to day life, uh, do you feel like there are decisions you're making? Decisions. I mean, you, you obviously you are. You're a human being. You're making decisions. Do you feel like those decisions? You feel do you do you feel stressed out when you're making decisions? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But I don't have when it. When you really zoom out, I don't have any control over that I right. felt stressed out about. Right, yeah. Um, the outcome of the decision is just what it's going to be. So, yeah. So, the it, it feels like to me, the way I see it is it very much feels like we have free will because there really is no way to operate um, outside of that feeling. And mm-hmm. then we kind of have to feel like we have free will as a navigational tool because if we can't... Uh, f- we don't have that sense of self, mm-hmm. um, then we can't just navigate the world. Um, but the sense of self, I think, is just that. It's a sense of self. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, an ego as a belief, as a separate entity from all the rest of the universe. Mm-hmm. When I look at the actual physics and biology and the way things and the cause and effect of how... Uh, how everything just flows into the next and how everything influences everything else. Um, that it's not that we're separate from the universe. We are pieces of the universe, mm-hmm. uh, like drops in the ocean. You, Electrochemical yeah. interactions well, continuing forward. Much like how we could never know that we're in a simulation. There's like if that, that theory of maybe it's all a simulation, there's absolutely no way to ever know it. 
Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if we are or not to some degree. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. one thing. It's like people, that's a big response when you talk about free will in this way is that, oh, well, you just, what, why even bother? Well, the, you're rebelling against the idea of no free will by, you know, taking your ball and going home, which, so you're acting as if you have still have free will and you're now <laughs> rebelling against this idea. Um, it's sort of like, but when, that's what you were going to do anyway. <laughs> fatalistic uh it's sort of it goes along the lines of like um existential dread or like a feeling of um depression because uh the okay so let's bring it back to atheism yeah yeah so atheists have um some struggle with rediscovering the meaning uh, a purpose of life and why am i living some um, do yeah some some do mm-hmm. um Others struggle more with depression. Statistically, atheists will struggle more with depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes out of, uh, in many ways, it comes out of this idea like, well, if God or some other higher power gave an objective meaning to the universe, without that objective meaning, then everything is meaningless. Mm. That makes me upset and sad. Now what you're doing is you're finding meaning in meaninglessness. So you're still you're you're getting yourself trapped in a bit of a loop. What you really have to do is just break away from this need for there to be meaning at all, and you'll just find meaning in life moment to moment. Uh, instead, we end up ruminating on this, and I think that the idea of free will being this like, well, why bother, is a similar thing of facing that idea of oh, it's meaningless then, and I'm going to be depressed. The difference between there's nothing after we die. So what's the point versus there's nothing after we die. So live life to the fullest, which are two ways I've seen atheists. You know, the three of us, I know all subscribe to the, you know, every moment is worth living because this is all we get. And therefore it should be cherished. But I do know some atheists who very much believe like, well, there's doesn't matter what I do because there's no grand punishment or reward after death for my choices. So my choices don't matter. So it's, you know, a very nihilistic way of looking at things. This kind of, I've brought this quote up before um, from uh, Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four. There's a a Reed Richards quote. He's like talking to his children and he says, I'm a a man of science. There's no God. There's no heaven. There's no hell. So if there's no hell, it doesn't matter what we do. But if it doesn't matter what we do, then what we do is all that matters. And mm-hmm. and so like, you I, I kind of get the feeling that you're you're saying that this this finding uh, a cause or meaning in life is still dogmatic, still kind of attached to leftovers from various re- religious beliefs, and that if you detach from that, you'll find that existence itself is is meaning is the meaning is is kind of all there is to it well first of all you put it better than i could have <laughs> well he gets paid a lot well i was gonna say he's reed richards <laughs> yeah. he's very uh-huh. smart he's very, yeah. <laughs> secondly i thought that was an angel quote the um if nothing we do matters all that matters is what we do it could have maybe been jonathan hickman is a big fan of john sweden <laughs> very well maybe which came first? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Angel, came first, angel for sure. Okay, okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm not as, I wouldn't uh, put it past that nerd to sneak an angel wow, reference into his comic. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I think for, for me, it's like uh, I, I, I don't look at, at free will and choices as, as, as necessary control. It's just like um, when, you're, when you're standing in front of a, a McDonald's and a Burger King, I realize this is a terrible example, okay. and you're like, I got to have lunch at one of these two places. Um, the question is, do you make a choice or were he's you not, always going to go to one or the other? He's not saying you're not choosing. Yeah. He's saying that what you choose functionally, it doesn't, the, the outcome is the same kind of cosmically, if I'm mis- not misunderstanding you, or that like what well, sure. you were going to choose is determined already in the sense that like, you, I'm not you, in it the right. sense, in you the sense are, that. That uh, the neurons that are firing are affected by other neurons that have fired, and the gravitational pull of electrons and protons and neutrons in your in in the atoms that surround the neurons that's firing and 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 
further the the gravitational pull of other human beings mm-hmm. and buildings and planets and, and yeah. all that basically caused that decision to be made that it wasn't there was there was nothing but physics that that resulted in that decision well, being made even if it came down to um that there was something random there it's still randomness so it still it's removes part that, of the universe yeah it still removes that uh, agency from your I, the idea of I made this choice, and then we still go back to the problem of who is I, who's making that choice, and how is that I separate from everything else, and where does that is, step in to uh, supersede the the laws of physics? So it's not necessarily that everything is predetermined, but it is that free will is an illusion. Yes. Okay, that yeah. makes sense to me. I get what you're saying. So. It's not necessarily that all the outcomes are inevitable. It's that the outcomes that we are led to or participate in aren't necessarily things that are controlled by us in the way that we all suppose it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so much of I what happens that. to you is chance, or it could be perceived as chance, that mm-hmm. you just to argue that. What, it's just like, okay, for like, like somebody saying the reason that I'm successful is the choices I made. You know, and so they really do believe there are people out there. We see them all the time. A lot of them are billionaires. They really do believe they are self-made. They believe that every choice they made is why they are where they are. They don't recognize the things like privilege or just random chance or that they didn't get into an accident. They didn't get cancer, that they their parents stayed alive and that all the different things that led to them being where they are. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, free will is a, a godsend for capitalism because it makes you go, I deserve this, what I got, these billionaires, I deserve this, I earned this, and those people who are poor or who didn't get it, they somehow deserve that because we all have free will and we made our choices. Um, and it, it removes this idea of the collective and systemic responsibility that mm. we all have. Um, or we should, I mean, in my opinion, should have. And that's that's where I veer from people who have that when they say, oh, you don't believe in free will. That means everybody's going to, again, it's, it's parallel to that atheist argument. Oh, you don't believe in God. Where do you get your morals? People do the same thing with, with free will. Oh, you don't believe in free will. Well, then how do you, why do you care about what you do or that you how do How do you make right choices? Thing? Yeah, it's, it's the same hmm. argument again. Um, I forgot which where what point I was trying to make there, but it's so um, the proposing that free will uh, is an illusion or doesn't exist doesn't mean that we're not responsible for our choices. It doesn't mean that we can't you know make positive decisions to try to influence things in a in a better way and make the world a better place. In fact, it means that we that that responsibility is all the more important because there's so much out there that is just completely out of people's control that we have to do the best we can. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it's a, it's a, it's a way to, if I really, cause it, it is hard. I mean, cause I, on an intellectual level, I believe that we don't have free will on an emotional level. Um, it's really hard to sure. believe otherwise because it feels so, but when I really allow myself to, sink into that intellectual belief um it does a couple of things number one it makes me less regretful about Mm -hmm. choices i don't kick myself as much about choices i made in the past it's like well i didn't have you could turn back time and the same choices would have been made because it was a flow of the universe that a different choice may have led to the same outcome yes yeah but there was not like a point where i could have stepped in and Ah, made that right choice there's this there's just the flow it's just mm-hmm. the flow of of life and reality and so it takes a bit of that regret away um for one thing and for me it takes some anger away from other people so mm. uh other people do things and make choices and they are assholes but when you really look at it there's this whole his history, this universe behind every action that they had that was leading up to that point. And the idea that they had this, that it was this malicious thing mm. that they're, that they have some soul or some self 
that is acting in an evil or bad way, um, I mean, it's easy to get really angry at people if you believe that. But if you start looking at the whole thing as a systemic whole and how how everything is influencing everything else, you can't really intellectually put too much blame and on anybody and you can't really talk about deserve like i deserve this um what you can do is you can if somebody's murdering going around murdering you can lock that person up because they're a problem um but you don't need to be punitive about it you don't need to make somebody suffer above and beyond just removing them from the situation because they're causing this problem. The idea of making somebody suffer, getting revenge all comes out of this idea that we're punishing some sort of actual choice and free will that people spank the evil out of someone and teach them not to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sure. I mean, it, it, that sort of thing is completely anti, um, rehabilitation, right? I mean, like our, our criminal justice system is not about rehabilitating people. It doesn't help people get out of the circumstances, whether they're economic or social or, or, you know, biological, cultural that led them to the point where they committed a crime or, or even didn't commit a crime and were found guilty of something they didn't do Mm -hmm. and were put there. So, uh, interesting. I, I'd never considered that as like a, a free will type argument. I mean, I think it's a great philosophy. It's a great, it's a great way to look at, at people. Um, you know, I often wish I could be more forgiving of certain people in certain circumstances, those sorts of things. I, where, where I, where I, I really come back to the concept that I think there, there's something, and I don't think it's a soul. And I do recognize that there, there are the laws of physics involved, but I also look at the concept of, if, I, if there's a light switch, I can choose to turn it on or turn it off. And making a decision, even even if we assume that there is some contr- some physics that have brought us to that point where that decision had to happen, I think there is still some ability to control flipping that switch and that it's not entirely random. But it's also that question of, you know, yes, we are all part of a incredibly impressive, amazing, complex system, but there still is an... It, there still is individualism because we don't, we can never understand what's going on inside somebody else's head. Right. Right. We can only understand what they tell us, which could be the truth or it could be a lie. Right. But doesn't that kind of support what Ben was saying about the, the, all the things that have led up to them being where they are making that choice are things that we, that are unknowable to us. And so to some degree, you know, that is, that is why, what they did is as determined as as anything. Yeah, maybe yes, maybe no. But I think there's still an argument that individualism does exist because there is no we don't we don't we don't have a hive mind. We can't well, we can't live inside well, the individualism the, is different from determinism, though. right? Sure. He's not saying we're not. There's no consciousness, right? Like or we're, sense we're, of self. We're, yeah, uh, it's it's more like. Uh, we're not in a hive mind, but we are, you know, in a society. We do have... We live in a society. <laughs> we do have, you know, uh, as human beings, we mm. have uh, hundreds of thousands of years of, of evolution and millions of years before that uh, of evolution to guide our, you know, subconsciousness and, and all that sort of thing. Like, d- there's a reason why people, you know seek out and eat food that is maybe the not the most nutritious because it's fucking delicious and you have millions of years of evolution telling you that candy bars are fucking great and you know like are you making a decision Hmm. to eat that or not eat that yes sure absolutely but like are you also fighting against millions of years of evolution absolutely i think the difference is i think i think you two are coming at this from really. I, I I'm really neutral on this idea. I feel very. I, I really uh, uh, things that have spoken to me throughout my childhood and, and young adulthood were always uh, like 
for Wheel of Time, like the wheel wheels, the wheel turns as it weaves or whatever, like, you know, caw like a wind from Dark Tower and things. But I think you're coming at it from a very micro level. You're gesturing at Tim. I know. Oh, sorry. I am gesturing at Tim. You're coming at it from a very micro level, Tim. (laughs) And (laughs) Ben is coming at it from a very macro level. And so I think the difference is, is, is you're talking about decisions, uh, and it seems like he's talking about outcomes. And I think that those that might be where the disconnect is. Um, the difference being, you know, we think about all the idioms we have. It'll happen or it won't. You know, like, so be it. You know, shit happens. You know, things like that that people talk about. Really, you know, but and then to the religious, let go and let God, Jesus take the wheel. The idea that we're just, you know, we we can only do so much. And then what happens, happens. There's, you know, you can't. Uh, you, you wrote an awesome play and you knew it was good and you cast great people and you felt like it was really good, but you posted like you didn't, you weren't able to relax until you heard someone tell you after they saw it that they liked it. Right. Cause like up until that point, it was this, like the outcome, you know, you didn't know what it was going to be regardless of all the choices you'd made. Sure. So like maybe to some degree, there's like a middle ground there to help. Like, I think the from what I'm understanding from what you're saying, Ben, it feels like you're saying that that what was going to happen was going to happen regardless. And so you can you feel like you can relax a little bit about outcomes, even though you are and not regret decisions. And Tim, you're saying that you like you need the idea. You really believe in the idea that the decisions you make are part of what is leading to the outcome. Am I summing you two up correctly? Well, the, there's a lot of ways you can you can a lot of areas we can back up and start asking questions and dig into. The, I mean, this this whole idea of free will branches off into all these philosophical arguments. So I would go back to the question of Tim when you said, uh, "I want to have some cr- control over that light switch." What do you mean by I? And oh boy, <laughs> what do you mean by I? And the control. Who's the who's has control there? Well, I think that's where we talk about individualism, right? That 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 there I mean there's a person inside my head, there's a there's a consciousness inside my head that is seeming separate from your consciousness, from Molly's consciousness, mm-hmm. from Nick's consciousness, that has control over something. Whether or not that control has happened because a whole bunch of atoms bounced off each other to the point that that finger hits the light switch, it's still that individual Tim doing a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I guess, what I mean when I talk about I, is that individual Tim that is conscious that it is doing that thing, that is cognizant that it is doing that thing, and that is making the decision to flip that switch. So there's a... Um there's a science experiment, a uh, neuroscience experiment, where they have um, wires attached to people's brains. Uh, and I don't know, I mean, I don't have all of the names of this, but you can look this up. <laughs> um, but the scientists were studying um, people's, like what's happening in people's brains when they make a choice. Um, so they had a system where somebody was to, I, I can't remember the specifics, but it's like twitch your finger and choose when you twitch your finger and tell me at this point of this this clock going around um when did you make that choice Hmm. when did you choose to twitch your finger now what the scientists have found is that brain activity in another part of your brain that's not conscious is already lighting up to be one full second before you think you made the conscious decision hmm. to make to twitch your fingers, so there's there's something that is basically arising out of your subconsciousness, something arising out of basically the universe that then leads up to this point where you think you made that decision, but really the decision was already made your awareness of making that decision is already coming after the fact. Hmm. The decision has already been made. But you have this awareness of it, which then creates the sense of self, which then creates a sense of narrative, which we may call ego or we may call a soul. But whatever we call it, 
it is still a sense of something that is operating separately from the whole uh, of the universe. So what about uh, like a long-term evaluation when it's not just like a snap judgment thing where it, it might be more, um, I don't know, like synaptic, right? Um, what about if you're you're like, okay, I'm going to try to figure out what car I'm going to buy and you're going through a long and lengthy process of comparing which vehicle and, and all that sort of thing um, and then eventually making a decision. Is that... Where does that type of decision-making come into play with what you're describing? Well, let's say you, you grew up in a, a area where you went to a nice school, and they told you, they taught you, um, and you didn't choose where you were born. Um, mm-hmm. They taught you how to think critically. And then you had parents who were like, you need to weigh the differences. And you, they, you basically, your brain grew while you lived experiences it grew to be the kind of brain that then weighs these differences to make a choice. All of the, that, your whole personality of making that choice and, t- and taking that time was something that started a long, long time ago before you were ever aware of even trying to make that choice. Hmm. So even... Interesting. Okay, Tim is making no. a face no. like I just no, no, farted. No, no, no. That was a, it was a, yeah, that was, it was a, a we were going to have to move on pretty soon because it's not the longest podcast ever. And this is about a five, <laughs> five, hey, five link podcast. I could talk about this for hours. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, could talk about it's, this it's for a, a long time. Seriously. It's a fascinating, fascinating thing. And I think, you know, and, and, and what I want to know, and Nick, you've got something yeah. to say, but the one thing I want to know from Ben is, well, what do you think I is? You know, you asked me that question, and I would ask you the same thing. What, what is what is our our sense of self? Is it is it an, an entire illusion that we're just making up? Mine's three goats in a trench coat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's a a useful illusion. Hmm. Um, it is because what we are is a sense of self. Um, a sense of narrative. We build a narrative that we call us. Um, we call our lives, and and sometimes we cling to that narrative really strongly. And that's you see people like Donald Trump as somebody who's like he has a huge ego. He's all about the narrative, and he's and they're terrified of death because mm-hmm. oh, when I die, basically everything goes. Obsessed with legacy. Yeah, uh, but you look at like Buddhist monks; they're not terrified of death because the whole. Their whole process and practice has been to dissolve the ego, um, which is this idea of narrative, this idea of clinging to a thing that is a a me, an I separate from everything else. When I think in actuality, that's an illusion, a tool so we can operate in the world. You know, you know, I can go leave this house and walk to my car because this is my car and I'm using myself and I'm identifying in order to navigate and live my life. And you have to do that. But I do think that really when it comes down to it, our sense of self and our ego is just a useful tool that we get really, really attached to. And that attachment to that tool, I think is the source of really most of our problems. Well, and some people, you look at, look at something like dissociative identity disorder, where that sense of self and ego is fractured and, the, you know, becomes multiple people, you know, and you couldn't, I mean, those are people, they will tell you, they are multiple people. They are not one person. They are one, one, one body containing multiple people. So that, that, that's interesting to think of it, that sense that, that we are our synapses. So, it, so it, it, to, I think it's just an accurate summation of that. Um, the self is just an extension of the whole, right? It's a, it's, it's back to the. If you want to talk about Buddhism, it's like Brahman and Atman, right? It's your, your breath is all of the breath. We're not mm-hmm. different than the universe. We are a part of it, the same as everything else, an extension. I, I would encourage anybody who's struggling with this idea to, to really think about the, um, about where everything in the universe stops and where you begin and really think about where is that 
point? What mm. is that threshold where suddenly you begin free from the universe? And really think about that and try to find that spot is really hard. <laughs> and I, I guess my other question then is like, on a, on a day-to-day level, on a small scale, on a large scale, how much does it matter? I think that it, it really matters a lot when it comes to our um, amount of forgiveness okay. for people, mm-hmm. for other people, for ourselves, when it comes to really looking at um, or asking the question, why did people behave the way they did? Not just punishing people for behaving mm-hmm. the way they do, but looking at the systemic reasons uh Again, it goes back to that, what is the systemic approach to responding to human behavior and taking blame out of it and really looking and stepping back and having all of us take responsibility and understand that we don't necessarily deserve everything that is that good has happened to us and everything that bad happens to us. We are in this together as a in this kind of connected web that influences each other thing, and we need to uh, we need to be a little bit more kind to each other because of that. Because we're all in this together, and in my opinion, none of us really have any choice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have one choice, and that's to leave, and that's about it. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, is that even your choice? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, exactly. we can get into exactly. like, depression oh, yeah. and that stuff too. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mental illness is a whole other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to know if my well, this is it's something that I've had electroconvulsive therapy. So the idea that like my sense of self being synaptical and and uh, electric based being fundamentally changed, which it was by the electroconvulsive therapy is something that is really interesting. I, I love hmm. thinking about yeah. it changed my brain. It literally changed my brain. That's why it worked. <laughs> so, what, what was changing? Exactly. They can't tell me. What changed? The, oh, I stopped having a psychotic manic episodes. <laughs> so, yeah. So what, so what changed? Okay. Exactly. I know that we they have don't to know. quit. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. We, got, we got to move on to five questions, but you're going to, you're going to just bring it right. I'm going to, I'm going to push, okay. push yeah. forward. I'm just going to say this one, cause I think it's like a law and order episode or dun, dun. this was a plot in a lot of different yeah. shows. It's been a plot somebody, in a lot of shows because it's, you know, everybody writes the same story because there's no free will. Uh. <laughs> go on, go on, go on. Uh, the idea of that, oh, this person was um, doing this, uh, they became a pedophile. Yeah. Uh, and then they go, oh, but wait, they had a tumor. Oh, uh, the tumor made them a pedophile. Yes. The tumor, infl- and they took the tumor away uh-huh. and they weren't anymore. Yep. Oh, okay. So are they responsible for that? Okay, so now yeah. that's a question. Um, then really get down, get get close into the brain and you can find little tumors as a metaphor for any given thing that mm-hmm. we do. Um, and I don't know, there's something you said that maybe that triggered me saying I this, said the but, change in my brain oh, from yeah, the ECT. Yeah. It wasn't, yeah. it was so valid. changing, yeah, okay, sorry. That's all right. Uh, it's changing your brain, but the way that it changed your brain was something physical in there. Who can say? They honestly don't know. <laughs> So they it, just threw their an electricity through me and hoped it would help, and it did. And it did. <laughs> and it did. But did they influence your soul, or uh, did they change something physical? Yeah. If it was something physical, it's like if you were born without a leg, yeah. you wouldn't blame that person for not having a leg. If you were born without a part in your brain yeah. that made you do whatever, suddenly we uh, are going to blame somebody for something in their brain physically mm-hmm. missing in their brain. And so in this case, you didn't do anything morally no. wrong, but you're still representing that same idea of there was something that could be changed yeah. physically. Yeah, that maybe altered head. the rest of it. Yeah. Give me a gauge, man. Yeah. Yeah. I love thinking about this, but fundamentally, I am also of the opinion that it doesn't actually matter. So I like to think of it as an intellectual exercise, but like in terms of uh, what I do, it's, it, it doesn't, I don't know. I, I'm a cheerful nihilist. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to move on from cheerful nihilism to five questions, which don't matter. These questions don't matter. They certainly don't. They don't. But, Nothing uh, we they, do matters actually, in this podcast. <laughs> they actually don't matter in a way that matters less than other things that don't matter. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> so we're going to ask you so five please questions. Answer, but please answer them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, please answer them as if they matter. <laughs> I remember, yeah. We'd appreciate that. Nick, why don't you start with question number one? Okay, question one is, what's a game you've played recently that you really enjoyed? So I, I, did, I don't know if I enjoyed it, but it was called Bloodstain, hmm. a ritual of the night, and it was essentially a uh, homage to Castlevania Symphony in the Night. Oh, that sounds fun. And I find myself being, no matter, they're the same game over and over again, mm-hmm. but those Metrovania games mm-hmm. oh, are, yeah. uh, I just get so addicted to those. So it's that was the last one. I, love a side-scroller? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Play, still a 2D. With a whip? I'm, I'm so bad. with a whip? If it's um, a... Sword, oh, sword is okay. Oh, okay. Side-scroller okay. jumping puzzle is my enemy. I'm so bad at it. You play Hollow, Hollow Knight? Yeah, yeah, I love Hollow Knight. I'm still yeah. waiting for the, the sequel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, question two. What is a science fact or discovery that you think is really fucking cool? Uh, well, I we talked about it today. I really thought that it was actually a Radiolab episode where I learned about the th- neuroscience. Yeah. Thing, our, our brain makes conscious decisions the second after the decisions is made is made yeah so i'm really into that neuroscience and they're, they've done more uh studies like that to replicate it so i think those are those are cool as somebody mm. whose limbs just jerk out randomly like just that's just mm-hmm. something that happens mm-hmm. to me that makes a lot of sense to me that your brain's just deciding before you think <laughs> about it <laughs> like for real yeah all right question number three i feel like we've talked about this a little bit but where does your sense of right and wrong come from because we assume it isn't religion um a lot of my sense of wrong in my life, it's come out of my anxiety and stress and hmm. uh, he- feeling of heaviness and distraction from a feeling of meaninglessness or depression um, and realizing that if I have some more space and if I'm healthier, I suddenly am not as competitive. I'm not as worried about uh, myself and I'm more willing to help people, and that makes me feel good um, helping other people. And I think that trying to avoid pain and helping other people avoid pain just is a just seems like a natural thing to do. Innate morality. Mm-hmm. 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 Question four: If you could build a robot to perfectly perform one chore or task for the rest of your life, what would you choose? How many people say? Um, some sort of sexual favor in this. No, no, none. no. They've never done it. No, no one's no. ever said a Every, sexual thing. Everyone said laundry or like I'm, cleaning the bathroom or cooking. Nobody's <laughs> ever like hand jobs. No, I think they make robots for that, Ben. <laughs> I'm genuinely surprised. Yeah, though, they that don't it's necessarily make up. robots that perfectly do that, yeah. Molly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't know. Perfectly. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> perfect grip, perfect, oh, perfect moistness of palm. <laughs> <laughs> perfect twist <laughs> I'm not going to answer that question but I will say this everybody has thought about the, uh, the porn bot I, I, I'm I'm genuinely surprised we haven't got that answer I'm also surprised we haven't got an answer that was uh, I want a robot that will like work a part time job and just make me an income on the side you want and, a like, slave was Nicholas, there, like, I don't want to be, wasn't there a movie just about that? Be, yeah, I mean, several. There's a whole, there's a whole body like of work. Do it. Right. Yeah, I, I doesn't. I'm not. We're not saying conscious. We're saying it's, yeah, a, it's robot. a robot. It's an automaton. It's, it's, yeah. Much like the people who answer laundry and cooking, let me just say, when it comes to a sex bot, I like to just get it done myself. <laughs> I don't see how a robot's going to be better at it than me. Look, it's you pride in workmanship. <laughs> I, I would make a robot that can make appointments per- and research. Ooh. Uh, Nice therapist for me. Yeah, yeah. Perfectly perform, Molly. Perfectly perform. What if your hand is really tired? What if you're really and you just need something else? I do have arthritis in my hands. What if something else? You just need something else to do it, and it's perfect. That's why physics made the shower head. (laughs) (laughs) Question five: (laughs) Is the shower head perfect? It's detachable. (laughs) (laughs) What is a movie or TV show you think everyone should watch? Well, God. That's tough. it's a rough question. It is tough. It is tough. You know, I um, I, I want to say 
BoJack Horseman. Yes. Oh. I agree with that. That's actually a very good answer that I yeah, hadn't I considered until now. I don't think that's the now. first time that answer has been given. Yeah. yeah. Everyone should watch BoJack Horseman. It's very, very, it's very deep and dark. Very dark. And just know that the first season doesn't get as dark as it's going to get. No. But it's important. Like, it's, it deals with some important self-reflection uh-huh. stuff that people yeah. need to do. Yeah. Bo- BoJack yeah. comes up on a lot of those lists of, like... Uh, shows where people miss the point by idolizing the protagonist, like yeah. like Rick and Morty, where it's like yep. or Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad, sure, yep. Where it's like you're not supposed to want to emulate his behavior. He is a broken person. He's yep. a tar pit. Yeah, oh, he's, yeah. A, he's a yeah. toxic. Yeah, yep. That's great. Great answer. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Ben. Uh, and uh, you know, obviously, the universe has brought you here at this time to talk about this subject, and we certainly appreciate it. Uh, if the universe brought you here to listen at this time, we appreciate you listening. Please think about uh, supporting us via Patreon. If you do, you can get these episodes early. Sometimes, sometimes as much as weeks early. Sometimes not. <laughs> sometimes not because because there is a little bit of randomness there. A little bit of a little bit of uncertainty. The Heisenberg uncertainty principle does apply to when we get our episodes out. But uh, again, Ben, thanks for joining us. Is there is there anything that you're doing that Thank people you. could find you find you online or you know, I, I've been away from the, the comedy scene for a while, but I came back to do a performance at Balls Cabaret, which returned. Um, oh, Balls yeah. Cabaret used to be at the Southern Theater at midnight, and now it is at 2 p.m. at Strike Theater. Ooh. And it is an open mic for anybody who wants to do uh, five, seven minutes of material of anything. On and Sundays, right? Sundays it is where two? I got my start in performance was Balls Cabaret. Hmm. So yeah. every Sunday at two at strike. I believe every Sunday at two at strike. Heck so yes. if you're I in uh, Minneapolis, I was worth checking mm-hmm. it out. I'll see you there sometime. I have been dying to do an that open mic, and I like strike a lot. So that's uh, perfect. Yeah. Strike's yeah. good people. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to remind you that you can send in your answers to our five questions. Five questions at geekswithout.com. Whatever the hell it is, <laughs> they know how to do a URL yeah. now. Yeah, I just tripped over everything. Don't worry w- about it. You didn't w- have a choice about that. I did not have no. a choice about <laughs> screwing that up. It's pointless Don't to kick beat yourself up. See, uh-huh. no regret. <laughs> no, no regrets. I feel great about it. So thanks so much for uh, listening, or not, or not. It wasn't your choice anyway. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you. I don't really have anything clever for this outro, but that doesn't matter. It was predetermined. I wouldn't anyway. We're geeks. We're geeks. We're geeks without God. Until next time, you can find us blogging at geekswithoutgod.com. You can follow us on Twitter at geekswithoutgod, and you can even like us on Facebook. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. Nobody wants to hear it, and they don't like it when you laugh about it.